Well, we live here in a quite a cosmopolitan city, not a whole lot unlike Athens, except we're not on the coast, right? Uh, where, that, where Paul was, that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, as Jesse told us in the children's sermon. But before we start, I want us to all think seriously about what idols may or may not be in our lives for each and every one of us. You know, the, the first commandment is to have no other gods before God. And we are all, at one time or another, some of us more than others, guilty of idolatry of one sort or another. Anytime we place anything before God, we are guilty of idolatry. And the setting of today's passage, Athens, was, as I said a minute ago, a very, very cosmopolitan city, and there were all sorts of things going on there. And as we read, they had, they had all sorts of gods around, all sorts of real tangible idols. You know, not, not all idols are tangible. Now, I mentioned in the first service, there's even, you know, we, we talk about it, we've got fiesta going on, right? So, which, could, you know, one might even argue, and for some people, that might even be an idol. But I, was, I heard the other day on, uh, on the radio about this rain rock they have for Niosa, right? Now, supposedly the rain rock is a humorous thing, but for your consideration, for the people that are involved in it, what if the rain rock disappeared? Do you think it would cause anybody any concern? So, uh, you know, so I, I think we all have some, place, some space to grow when we talk about idolatry. Now, along those same lines and looking for meaning in the wrong things and misplacing our priorities, there was an article in The Guardian. Did any of y'all read The Guardian from, from England? Uh, there was, an, there was an article in The Guardian on the 20th of May, uh, excuse me, March. The 20th of May ain't here yet. Or if it was the 20th of May, it would be old news, right? It was on the, on the 20th of March. They both start with an M, right? So on the 20th of March, and the article said that in 12 countries, in 12 countries in Europe, the majority of young adults have professed no religion. None whatsoever. Now, why should this concern us? The reason it should concern us is because things that happen on the other side of the pond tend to get on this side of the pond. And in fact, historically, there are many trends you can look at. There are many, many things. It usually takes about a generation for those things. So, and we may not... Uh, survey says we may not be so far behind that here at this point but uh, but I'll guarantee you that all of those people that were surveyed and all of those people who say they don't have a religion they worship something they worship something I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you I don't know what it is for each of those people and that's a lot of people and I don't know what it is for everybody in the community that we live in. 
but for sure they're worshiping something. Consider the word of the Lord. I'm reading from the, uh, the 17th chapter of 2nd Luke, which is also known as Acts, verses 16 through 32. When Paul was waiting for them in Athens, and them were Silas and Timothy, he, that's who he was waiting for in Athens. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day. Every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, and ask him, may we know what this new teaching is you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allowed the times of their existence and the boundaries of the place, places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed and others said, we will hear you again about this. 
the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who created all that we see, God who sustains our, us with our every breath, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Well, it says there, while Paul was waiting for Timothy and Silas to show up in Athens, I guess they missed their flight, uh, that he was very distressed. He was very distressed about what he saw. And not in a negative, debilitating way, but I think we too should be distressed at what we see around us in our city and in our society, in our country, in our world these days. And much of and, and the reason we should be distressed is for the very same reason Paul was distressed. People are worshiping false gods all around. And because of this, many many of uh, many things are going wrong in our society. We have we have a we have a very violent violent filled society. And we have many other things that uh, certainly there could be very little disagreement on that aren't right. And it's, the, the cause of it's real simple because we have people running around worshiping things other than God. If we were all worshiping God, we would, uh, we would see great, great changes in the world around us and in each and every one of us. So... Paul starts out there being distressed, and he's talking, he's talking to the folks of the city. And the scripture says he was out there every day. Didn't say Paul just, just went to the synagogue on Saturday. It said he was out there every day talking to the people in the marketplace. And he got their attention. He got their attention so that they took him up to the Areopagus, which is a, a place up there uh, by the Parthenon in Athens up on Mars Hill to question him further. Now, Paul is a great example of how all of us can be better evangelists, better at sharing the kingdom of God with those around us in what he does. The first thing he does is, I like to, I use the analogy, I like to think about, have any of you ever seen that, uh, it's, Pretty old now, but I've got a I've got a generally I've got a group here that there's some people that could remember that far probably. Uh, Sergeant Bilko, that Steve Martin movie, Sergeant Bilko. Uh, anyway, and, and Steve Martin in, in there, y'all remember what he did? Every he played Sergeant Bilko, of course, and every time he met somebody, he whether he had never seen him before or whether it was an, an acquaintance that he was seeing again on a, at a particular occasion, he would say, haven't you lost weight? That's, that's, those were the first words out of his mouth, you know? He says, haven't you lost weight? See, that's what Paul did. See, when, Paul, when they got Paul up there to the Areopagus, he said, I see that y'all are very religious. I see that y'all are very religious. He paid him a compliment and uh, got their attention that way. He got their attention by paying them a compliment. 
which is the first lesson for us in Paul's, in Paul's technique here. Whenever we're dealing with anybody, we need to look for the similarities, not the differences. See, and Paul understood, Paul knew well, well and good, that God had made each and every one of us to look for God, to seek God. So Paul didn't uh, put down their uh, religious habits, per se, or the fact that they were, they were seeking after God. He just put down, in a, in, a, in a nice sort of way, their idolatry, their, their, their misdirectedness. But he complimented them to get the door open so they would listen to him. Because he knew, he knew that God was with us. And he knew that God was with them also, even though they might not know it all the time. So he tells them, he says, the God that created the heavens and the earth the God that Rhonda read about in Exodus chapter 3 a few minutes ago, the great I am. Paul didn't call him that. Notice, Paul, did, Paul does another thing. Not only does he compliment the folks to get their ear, he doesn't use a lot of language that they don't understand. They weren't Jewish. Had he been in a synagogue, he would have been talking differently than he was talking to these Greeks up there on the, uh, on the Areopagus. But he said, God doesn't live in a temple made with human hands. He doesn't live in a temple made with human hands. But he's what? He's very, very near to us, near to each and every one of us. You see, Paul understood and Paul wrote later to the Corinthians, right, that uh, God lives within us, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not something we make, not a, not a church building or some other temple, but God dwells in each and every one of us. And he told the people that God was near us. But, of course, the ever-present question is, are we near to God? Are we near to God? You see, now these Athenians were a whole lot like modern-day Texans or Americans, right? They spent their time talking about a lot of stuff and things. Or, or if, if, they'd, if they'd have been around today, the Athenians, I'm sure, would have watched TV a lot, right? They had their, they had their, uh, uh, they had their priorities misplaced, like a lot of us, like a lot of us do. See, Paul told them. It's real simple. You don't need to be talking about new things and figuring out new stuff. The truths of life God established a long, long time ago. And those are the things that we need to concentrate on. Those are the things, the places we need to spend our energy. Then he does something else. He quotes a Greek poet. He also quotes, he also, the other line, in him we live and move and have our being was common in Greek work. You can see it in the works of Seneca. You can see it in the work of Epimenides. And then he says, but we're all God's offspring. As it says in the scripture there, he was quoting a Greek uh, poet, a Greek poet named um, Eratus. Eratus lived about 300 years before Jesus. 
uh, give or take a few years. It's in the third century BC. Uh, and so we're all God's offspring. And that's what he used to springboard off the other idea. He says, you know, God made us, we're God's offspring. We can't be born of stone or gold or glass or wood like that. He says, he says y'all are all flesh and blood. You're God's offspring. And, and again, and that's when he reminded them, God is near to us. So as you go out there this week, and you see, actually as you go out there the rest of your life, if you, it's, it's something we should all work toward, you know, we've been tasked with the awesome responsibility of making folks aware that there is only one true God, the great I am. We've been tasked with that responsibility, so we need to go about that every day, just like Paul did, in everything we do. And we too, we can be like Paul. Notice, Paul didn't use any scripture. Paul didn't even mention Jesus by name. He just said God had created the world, we have a common ancestor, and that at the end of time there was going to be one man, Paul didn't name him, who was going to judge everybody. And that God was near to us. So as you go out there, remember to be about it all the time. To be about telling people about the kingdom of God. Meet people where they are. Talk to them in their language. And I don't mean English or Spanish. I mean the things that they understand, whatever that might be. And remind them that we're all God's offspring and that God is near to each and every one of us. And if we all do that, there will be a whole lot less idolatry. Amen? Go in peace, and as you go, remind everyone that God is near to us. And as you do that, do it with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen.